episode eight of the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Some players end up in the pyramid, some don't. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. You know who's unexpected? San Antonio blowing the series we're about to talk about when they had a 2-0 lead and they had won 20 straight games. This is one of the most incredible playoff series in a long, long time. We are going to break it down in one second. Talk to a State Farm agent today about combining your home and auto insurance. Get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected State Farm. And we're brought to you by the world's greatest website, theringer.com, as well as the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find the Bill Simmons Podcast, the Ringer NBA Show, Ryan Rosillo's show, Winging It with Vince Carter, a whole bunch of great podcasts. Check all of those out. Coming up, if you didn't listen to the Pyramid podcast that Zach Lowe and I did about James Harden, here's the accompanying podcast. My guest will be Joe House. We are going to talk about the last three games of the 2012 Western Finals and the birth of what we thought was going to be the dynasty. And the premise of this is how the hell did they trade James Harden? Joe House and I watched these three games. We broke it down. We did a special three-game rewatchables that you're about to listen to. My name is Bill Simmons. Here we go. Unlike Shaq, Kobe's gonna attack. Larry, she's a three, quads playing that D. LeBron hits him with that steal, and you already feel. Pass it to Luke, yeah, he's gonna juke it's a book of basketball, yeah. It's a book of basketball, yeah. It's a book of basketball, yeah. It's a book of basketball. Okay, this is a rewatchables podcast about the last three games of the 2012 Western Finals, Oklahoma City and San Antonio. I think we've forgotten a couple things, Joe House. One is how good that 2012 OKC team was. It is staggering to watch these games. Two, how good that 2012 Spurs team was. And then I'll throw in a bonus one for three. This might be the best basketball series of this decade. Wow. From a just a pure basketball standpoint, how hard both teams were playing, how many great players were on the floor. I was just shocked by the quality of this. What jumped out to you when you rewatched the last three? Well, I, I like to thank you in the first place for having me along for this adventure, a book of basketball. I, I just would like to observe... It feels like you could be a little more enthusiastic. Like this series is a is a is unbelievable. It's a watershed I just said it moment. It was the best series of the decade. There potentially. we go. That's the level of enthusiasm <laughs> I'm, lo I'm looking for. I want the high energy Bill Simmons. I this is an unbelievable watershed moment in the last 25 years of professional basketball. It's so rare in this modern era of sports that we get a true rite of passage moment where kind of a, a dynastic team in a sport, it takes on a, an upcoming kind of challenger and then you get that that kind of uh, um, it happened in the 80s. moment. Well, exactly. Pistons, this is what I said. The Pistons this, against the Celtics right. and the Lakers. This is what I'm saying, though. Like, we haven't really had it kind of like the last 20 to 25 years. The best examples I could come up with were maybe that Seattle Patriots Super Bowl in, I oh, think that was 2015. Yeah. yeah, you're switching sports though. We're well, not allowed to I mean. do that in the Book of Basketball 2.0. Well, why? We're, we're trying to <laughs> come up with the historical context for this and how rare 
this moment is and how blessed we are to be able to look back now and say, what a rare thing that we had. It lived up to all the hype. And um, the funny thing when I'm looking back, and we'll have an opportunity to go into this further, is the reaction by the Spurs to having been vanquished by OKC. Uh, But I'm going to hold that thought. So OKC that year, it's the young OKC team. Everybody, all the major stars are 23 and under. They beat Dirk and Dallas, who were the defending champs in round one. They beat Kobe and the Lakers in round two. Didn't just beat. Yeah, swept. swept. Bye-bye. And then they beat Duncan and the Spurs. That was no small feat in uh, 2012. The Spurs had won 20 straight going into game three of this series. Yes. Uh, During game two, they won their first 10 playoff games. They won their last 10 regular season games. During game two, which I did an actual running diary of for Grantland. Yeah, I I sent you the link. Um, Marv Albert, who at that point, I think was about as close to a Yoda for basketball that we probably had out of all the media members other than Bob Ryan. He blessed the 2012 Spurs during that game. He said he compared them to the Knicks of the early seventies and some of the Boston Celtics teams. That's as high praise as Marv Albert can go. This is what I wrote after game two. So to put this in context, the young Thunder trying to beat this team that after game two, we, we were already thinking Spurs heat. That's exactly right. It was like, right. oh, the Thunder will have their day. The Spurs are winning. This is what I wrote. The Spurs, as presently constructed and in their present state of health, are unbeatable. They've won 10 playoff games by an average of 12.5 points, uh, an astonishing 20 straight games, which, by the way, was the fourth highest number ever. Um, and then I wrote, they're as potent as any basketball team we've ever watched the first NBA franchise to fully perfect a European offensive style, slash and kicks, high screens, open threes, backdoor cuts, while maintaining their defensive dignity. They turned a team featuring LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in their primes into an underdog for the NBA Finals. If you can't get excited for that matchup, you don't have a pulse. I wasn't even thinking the Thunder had a chance to come back in this series. I and I think that I think the, the gambling line was probably like Spurs minus 800, Spurs minus 900. And then OKC just went to nine other levels. And the biggest reason, and what jumped out to me the most in these three games was Durant. Absolutely, positively. I forgot. This actually might be the best three-game playoff stretch of his entire OKC run. He is unbelievable. Yeah, I'm glad. Unbelievable. Yeah, of his OKC run. That's interesting. Because he had some Golden State. Yeah, when he put Golden State, no, yeah. but I, that series when they lost in six to Golden State, where Golden State battled back from being down, uh, they lost, they lost seven. seven when they when they lost that game six. That Clay, he uh, wasn't that good in the last three games. That's right, but he in the in the early games, yeah. was unbelievable. Yes, so that that's like that level of performance. I think the highest level he got to was probably the two Cleveland series, it, it, and it, there was the fifty point game last spring against the Clippers. But I think. Game three, 2018, I think he had like 43 and 14, something like that, but was just taking it to LeBron. You and Steve Kerr covered this uh, uh, on, on a previous the, pod, yeah. the earliest, uh, earlier book of bi- basketball segments, and he clearly, it was interesting to hear Kerr validate this. It was something that we observed, but he clearly had in his sights taking the mantle of best player in the NBA from LeBron in those finals. Yeah, Steve, I I was surprised he said it this way, that he dominated LeBron in those two series. I think in in 2018, especially in game one, LeBron was amazing. But overall, I did think Durant outplayed him in both series. And 
you know, it starts here. It starts in 2012 because in 2011, Dallas beats OKC and Dirk has the classic throwback, just, just rips through them like a knife through butter. And then OKC gets their revenge in this series. I actually asked her, I texted Durant. I broke the book of basketball 2.0 rules. When was this? I This week. Oh. I texted him and I just said, what do you remember about 2012 Spurs OKC? His response was, we played harder and smarter. That's interesting. The harder thing I definitely agree with. And those OKC crowds. So glad you mentioned this. Holy shit. Now, like almost, almost maniacal. And I actually think in the next series, it worked against them in the my against Miami because it was so intense. I actually think it wore out some of their guys. Did you, I know I you, went to those two games. That, that's what I was asking. That's what I wanted to know. Cause you were working at ESPN. But I, I went as a writer cause it was 2012, but it, it was just so intense and it was unsustainable. And I, and I actually think the Thunder was like too jacked in those games. And this in this Spurs series, I think they had the right level of energy intensity. They were completely buoyed by the the insane crowds. Like just watching the clips. Now, how was it physically being there? Loud and your head hurts by your the head end. hurts. Yeah. Like I it's it sounds like an exaggeration. I'm not kidding. Like you you're you had a headache after the games. Um the thing that I, I'm I'm curious, I, I'll concede harder. In the sense that, um, you know, this Durant comment that they played harder and smarter. I'll I'll concede harder because them playing harder really is the thing that changed the entire trajectory of the series. Like the Spurs took game three off. I'm going to give them them smarter too because I thought some of the stuff they did um, offensively the way that they were sharing the ball and mo- using Durant in different ways. They're posting them up. They're using them on the high screens. Half-court offense, I thought... I will... When you, but hold on, though. When you talk about the first part of that series, it was all one-on-one hero ball. Yes. And I think what he means by smarter is as that series went along, they actually realized we can't play like this. We have to play. We have to win with defense. And offensively, the ball has to move, and it can't be one-on-one stuff. And okay. I think that's what he meant. That, and, and, and that um, point is is a very sound one because the thing that jumps out from watching Game 5 and Game 6 clips is the speed with which they play. So they've recognized their athletic advantage. Yes. And they use that athletic advantage. They go to the hole. They go to the hole hard. And they also have um, the, the basketball IQ to be kicking the ball out. So you see a lot of threes in rhythm. From Derek Fisher and Harden especially. But Derek Fisher had been bad that whole postseason. And then game six. That's right. He's an OG. An OG makes makes the OG shots. shots. Absolutely. Quick recap of the series. Game one, San Antonio wins by three. Manu has 26. Katie and Russ 15 for 40. Not great. The second game, which was the one I did the running diary of, uh, San Antonio 120 to 111. Spurs shoot 55%. They made 11 of 23 threes. The interesting thing, this was an early three ball team. Yes. Which is not typical Popovich, but in this series, they're in the mid 20s for threes every game. Parker had 34, 16 for 21 field goal. And and we'll get to Parker Mm because I I have some thoughts on him in a little bit. Okay. In that game, though, KD had 31, Harden had 30, and Russ had 27. So decent sign for them. Yep. Game three is the classic. Young team comes home. They win by 20, 102, 82. Kawhi's one for three. 
14 minutes, Spurs 39%. But it had the feeling of, all right, they didn't show up for that. But game four, it'll be fine. What happens, a couple things that are crazy. OKC wins 109-103. Ibaka goes 11 for 11. 26 points. The Ibaka game. The Ibaka game. And one of the reasons he goes 11 for 11 is he's on the baseline and the OKC has figured out this little hole in the Spurs defense where if they do slash and kick, he's he's there from about 15, 16 feet on the baseline. Now, if you're playing this game in 2019, he's in the corner for threes. Right, that's right. But back then it's More like, efficient. Yeah, 50, this 16-footer is a great shot. He's 11 for 11. Perkins is 7 for 9. But that's not why they win. Nine-point lead for the Thunder, and it's been the Kevin Durant show in the fourth quarter. Marv, you asked, when will he have his breakout game? I would say this is it, because it's not just the number of points, it's when they're coming. All these in the fourth quarter, six baskets already, really stemming the tide as San Antonio has made this furious comeback, but tonight taking over when his team needed him the most. KD is 36. KD scores 16 straight in the fourth quarter. Yes. 16 straight. And there are all kinds of KD shots. That's right. I think there's been better versions of him, but I think this is my favorite KD year. You know why? Because he's he's just so athletic and young and and just he. I, if it, you if you wanted to grab a, a big red magic marker and circle a moment that was like his kind of career watershed moment, his arrival moment, the biggest stage, the the big the highest stakes. Wouldn't you circle that quarter? Wouldn't that quarter be an eligible candidate? Top three in terms of what really describes KD's impact on teams in this era and the arrival of that OKC team at this moment? I w- yeah, I would probably do these three games. Okay. And, and starting with that quarter. I like it. Because um, a couple of things going on in that game. Westbrook was two for 10. And in general, and this is early, th- Twitter is there, but not there like it is now the whole NBA Reddit 24-7 cycle thing isn't in play but Westbrook's taking a lot of shit this whole season and I actually I, I had I think I had had lunch or something with Sam Presti probably in April and one of the things we talked about was how Westbrook was just being dissected and this new era of 24-7 basketball coverage and if somebody had faults you just, you poked at them, you poked at them, you poked at them, and you talked about the stuff they couldn't do, and they're on all these different shows. That led to, in the finals, that was when I wrote the Westbrook column about the 90-10 thing, where every player has 90%, every great player has 90% good stuff, 10% bad stuff. And for him, the 10% was so glaring that everybody focused on the 10%. So when he had a game like this, where he's two for 10, um, you know, turnovers, the whole thing. And meanwhile, Durant's going great. And then Westbrook will come down, take a dumb shot. People lose their fucking minds. Well, there were stretches. Just give the ball to Durant. Stay out of the way, dude. This is the thing. There were stretches in both game five and game six in the fourth quarter where you hear Reggie Miller and Steve Kerr wondering aloud, what is going on here? 
it seems like there have been several possessions with by OKC where Durant's not touching the ball. Yeah, Durant needs to touch the ball, and it was funny hearing that looking back 2012, and now we have this whole body of evidence. I, I'm not sitting here intending to indict Russell Westbrook, but it is interesting with all that we know now and the decision that Kevin Durant made to leave OKC yeah. as his as his you know he wanted to make his fortune and make his his mark. All the way back when they were just kids, they they weren't in a place. They could never figure out the balance. They couldn't figure it out. I wrote this after Game One of the 2012 Finals, which OKC when they beat Miami, quote OKC and Miami have similar problems. They're better off running everything through their best guy, LeBron for Miami, Durant for OKC. But their second best guy is good enough that he feels obligated to insert himself too. It's a constant tightrope for both teams. And this is in game one. When it became clear Durant was heating up in the fourth quarter, the frustrated fans were hollering, give it to Kevin. They couldn't help themselves. It's a thankless role for Westbrook, who played at warp speed for four quarters and has been cast into that middle child role probably forever. But at the same time, there couldn't have been six other players in NBA history who score more effortlessly than Durant does. This part I forgot, and this is pretty great. After two straight baskets, the guy sitting right behind me flipped out and just started screaming, give it to him. Give it to 35. Just give it to him every time. Every time. You know who it was? Michael Ray Richardson. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I what? totally forgot about that. He, I sat right in front of him before game one or during game one, and he was just going nuts that Durant wasn't shooting more. What was he he's doing He's like, get there? out of his way. He's just, he's just I think there he lived there. Big, oh, okay. Yeah. So that was that weird balance. And in game four, when Westbrook just didn't have it, it made it so much easier because Durant was like, okay, cool. And he's incredible. Now, what's really crazy, he's being guarded by rookie Kawhi Leonard. Yes. Yes. So there were so many things that I forgot. I hadn't watched these games in a while. And there are so many things I had forgotten that I loved about this series. But young Kawhi with his whole career in front of him. Yep. And not totally knowing all the tricks yet, but he's a year away from going head-to-head against LeBron. And Durant's pretty much torching him. Well, that's right. Because the tutelage, the, the thing that that was so curious about that version of Kawhi, and we had the great good fortune of seeing him with our own two eyes last night. Oh, my God. I mean, just an, an incredible He's player. so good. So we're, we have, like, the ability um, in the context of looking at 2012 and seeing him still processing he's still in his own head a little bit about where to go about when to shoot about how to whether or not to shoot with confidence well did you notice the how the pace he had in the in this okc game like he's a little frantic yes he was young right and when we watched him last night in that clipper game i mean he is just in control he's not he's almost never going full speed anymore he's just always at his pace Everybody else has to fit to it. In this game, he just looks like a really athletic rookie. Right. Who you can tell is going to be really good. It does seem like it. He's about 20 pounds skinnier than he is now. Uh-huh. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, that guy's head in places. Right. I don't think we knew he was going to be one of the five guys we'd remember from the decade. I would not have guessed that. We didn't have him in the category of Harden or Westbrook or, or, or No. If you were saying... Which guys would you want in this series for the next 10 years? Right. He's probably the fifth pick. Oh, who do you, who else do you have ahead of him? I think he's Durant, Westbrook, Carden, and Ibaka. I think oh. have taken over him. Well, sure, okay, sure. I can't argue it. Maybe Kawhi goes over Ibaka. I don't know, but yeah. it's they're they're kind of neck and neck. It certainly there was. You watch these games, and he's clearly good, but there's no indication he's going to be Kawhi. I'm with you. Um, so game four, Duncan 
is just doing his typical 21 and eight in this game, but he's always in that range. Kawhi was uh, seven for eight in this game, three or four from three, 17 points. And San Antonio brought the thunder in this game. No pun intended. Yeah. They intended they, to win. They intended to win this game yes, and finish the series in five. That's right. And Durant said, actually, we're going to take this series. Durant finishes with 36, um, nine from nine from the line, eight assists, 13 for 20. It's just almost a perfect basketball game. And then it, and he's so good in the end. The crowd is out of their minds. Right. He hits a huge three and it's just like, you know, it goes to that airplane level. So they win that. They send it back to San Antonio. Yes which I think we now remember as the Harding game. Have to remember it that way. Here's how it plays out. Um, OKC misses their first seven shots. San Antonio starts Manu. Yeah. As the big wrinkle. Right. Which was a big deal because he had been a bench guy at that point. Well, and, and he's their best playmaker, their, their best shot maker. And I think that was a real nod by Pop, like, and and this was fun, um, part of the, the looking back. When you do, they have some of the video clips that are like the series clips where they're taking stuff from game one and the things. Yeah. And he's, say, he's telling them, don't take these guys lightly. Take these guys seriously. We need to get nasty with them. Like, he knew. He, he and, and the coaching staff of the Spurs knew. So game five, after having lost two in, 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 in uh, OKC, he puts Manu in a, as a starter because it to me seems like he's he said well, this is we got to put our best this is it. So some context for this Spurs team. This is the lockout season. Sixty six games. They make two moves during the season that really help. They pick up Stephen Jackson, yeah, who ends Captain up being Jack. a key part of the series. Uh, nine years after he was one of the heroes in two thousand three, and then they get Boris Diaw for nothing. And he ends up playing too. So they basically have Parker, Ginobili, Duncan, and Kawhi. They have that four. They have Dio and Jackson. Then there's some Tiago splitter. There's a lot of Gary Neal. I kind of forgot how much Gary Neal there was. Sure. And then young Danny Green, who wasn't quite Danny Green yet. Right. So they take a big lead. And then OKC comes flying back. OKC's up 50-36 at one point. Spurs miss 10 straight. And Kerr is... Kerr's just completely stunned by Steve Kerr's doing the game. He's completely stunned by what happened to San Antonio. He keeps saying how disjointed they are. They don't look like themselves. He doesn't understand it. Durant's only one for six in the first half, but they still end up up by eight. Third quarter, huge San Antonio run. Manu puts up 13 in the third quarter. They're up by six. OKC rallies back, and they're up nine after the third quarter. KD makes a buzzer beater. Yes. And then it's like, oh, shit, they might actually win this game. Fourth quarter, Durant gets hot. OKC's up 91-79, eight minutes left. And then the Spurs just start climbing back. And at that point, it was really just Parker and Manu. They had scored 50 of the first 82 for the Spurs. But then we have probably the best sequence of these three games. Captain Jack hits a three. Yep. Durant hits a two. Three-point play for Duncan. Abaka for two. Abaka blocks Manu. And then Harden, four-point play. Incredible. And that's when Reggie Miller says, we are seeing a team grow up and mature. <laughs> Harden open for three. It counts and the foul. We are seeing a team grow up in front of our eyes and mature. You got that right, Reggie. 22 assists now. There's the 22nd on the night for the team. It was all one-on-one. -on -one. 
They've figured it out the last three games. The ball movement, sharing the responsibilities, so many weapons, and they're playing off each other now. So you think it's over. Now, Spurs come flying back. They score nine straight, 101-99. And this is where the Westbrook thing comes in again. OKC has four straight possessions. Westbrook travel. Westbrook elbow charge. Westbrook backcourt violation. Perkins air ball. And look. No Durant to be seen. Meanwhile, he's the best player in the series by far. And to the, the tremendous credit of San Antonio, that whole sequence, Tony Parker is living in in uh, Westbrook's underwear. Yeah. He gets super physical Forgot with what him. a good battle that was. He gets super, he gets right up into him. frisky and, French on him. And dares, <laughs> dares the refs to, to call the fouls. And that's how that, that elbow, you know, that, yeah. was, that was Westbrook's reaction. Well, Westbrook comes down and makes probably the greatest no, no, yes shot of his career. You're right about this. It's like the last person you want shooting after three turns, but he somehow makes it 103.99. Super contested, yeah. too. Like contested he, it's jumper. It's all the way in two guys around. There's arms, there's appendages. It's, it's like definitely don't shoot this ball, and he gets it off. Duncan f- answers. So now it's two-point game, 50 seconds left, leading to why this is remembered as the Harding game. Somehow Harden ends up with the ball. Not Durant. I don't know where Durant was these last five minutes. They're just determined to freeze him out. And Harden does a step back three to ice the game. Seemingly. They're up five now. But it's the step back three that he becomes famous for six, seven years later. I don't even really know if people were doing this in 2012. What I loved about it is it was a very crisp version. Nobody would ever call his step back three. No, it wasn't a game. travel. It was not a no, travel. It was not a travel. It's like, oh, this is a legal step back three. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, I can't believe it. I just watched him do it legally. It was an assassination of a shot. It was. Shot clock to five. Harden for three. Yes. Spurs calls the time. Oh, my goodness. If you're Kawhi Leonard, you could not have played James Harden any better. San Antonio still not dead. Manu scores. Then Kawhi forces a turnover, leading to Manu with a wide open, a eh, little contested three. Misses it. Um, and OKC steals one. So the box score for that, Harden played 34 minutes. He scored 20, 6 for 11, 4 for 5. I'm sorry, three for four from three. Durant was 10 for 19 for 27. Westbrook, classic Westbrook game, nine for 24. Took the most shots of anyone in the game. Played the most minutes. 12 assists, um, at least five turnovers. But, uh, and then and then Ginobili had 34. It's five for 10 from three. So anyway, now it's like, holy shit, they might win this. So now we go to game six. San Antonio comes out gangbusters. They know they have to win this game. They're going to win the series. They have to win this game. 63 to 48 at halftime by of San Antonio's up. Yes. They've thrown the kitchen sink. They, they're throwing the kitchen sink. And this is what, one of the things that makes this series so great is OKC's playing really well and San Antonio, most teams roll over in this situation like, oh, alright, not our year. And then San Antonio fights back again. Um, third quarter, KD hits a three that caps a huge OKC comeback. All of a sudden, it's OKC 79-77. KD is 27 points at that point. And Reggie Miller goes, we are watching greatness grow up in front of us right here. Uh, he had like his broadcaster cliche he notebook really out. He had the whole thing working. End of the third quarter, San Antonio ends up one. 
OKC makes a little run, seven minutes left, it's 90-84 OKC, and that's Kerr mentions how OKC is just winning all the 50-50 balls, basically. Which they were, and you could see it in the game. They were just a little more athletic. And that's it. That's the word I was just going to use. This is the thing that, that, like, it was a hairline difference. You know, there's such a thin, thin difference between the two two teams and what uh, uh, San Antonio was able to bring in terms of, uh, like, institutional... Uh, uh, historical greatness, right? Yeah, and 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 they they brought all of that, like uh, Tim Duncan, a top ten player in the history of the league, and yet it was the athleticism of OKC that ended up being that deciding factor because of those 50-50 balls. They won 51 to 49 of them. Parker finishes the game 12 for 27, 29 points, 12 assists, and Duncan's 11 for 23, 25 points, 14 assists. Now, if you were going to tell me those guys were going to combine for 54 points and one was going to be double-double rebounds, the other an assists, you would say, oh, they won, right? Well, let me add this. Steven Jackson was six for seven from threes. Yeah. They still lost. Yep. OKC took all of it. So Fisher hits a huge three with four and a half minutes left, and he'd sucked the whole series. And the biggest problem with this OKC team was they never had the fifth guy. It was like Seth Felosha. I don't even remember who the other terrible guy, Daquan Cook, Daquan he was involved. Cook. Hey, but da- Daquan Cook made some big baskets in game six. And, one, and then was never seen again, yeah. thanks to Scotty Brooks. So Fisher hits a three. Uh, San Antonio comes back. Harden hits a huge three. 99-93, 3.30 left. San Antonio keeps coming back. Harden, beautiful play to Westbrook, back door. 101-95 OKC, heading toward two minutes. San Antonio is still coming back. Fisher makes a bank shot in traffic when everything's breaking down. They're up six, two minutes left. San Antonio still comes back. 103-99, last minute. San Antonio misses three threes in a row in the same possession. It was a layup in two threes. Right. Yeah. Or layup in two threes, sorry. Tim Duncan uh, had a wide open layup. Perk blocked it. Yep. And then uh, Jackson misses a three and Manu misses a three. Jackson's three was super wide open. OKC gets back. They're up six. 14 seconds left. Um, there's a stop. Everyone's going bonkers. Durant walks over to his mom and his, and I think his brother and his stepdad and does a family hug. They're all family sitting courtside. I've never seen notes. that again. Can Remember, you believe it? It's really kind of emotional. It is. And this is why at the outset of this pod, I wanted to emphasize, at least to me, like it was a true watershed moment. It was like a, a real rite of passage. These guys didn't, know that they could do it. Yeah. And that hug to me was the thing that was like, holy F, we not only could we do it, we did it. How about this? It's the largest halftime lead blown by the Spurs in their playoff history. I don't feel like they blew it, though. I, I just feel like Oklahoma City took it. I mean, their effort was incredible in the second half. And they just overwhelmed San Antonio with their youth and their athleticism and a heavy dose of Kevin Durant, who was just spectacular. So they win. Durant finishes 34 points, 14 rebounds, 12 for 15 from the line. He only took 17 field goals. Westbrook had his best game in the series, 9 for 17 for 25. Harden off the bench had 16. And, uh, and that was it. So House, you watch these three games. This is a big question, and then we'll get to the categories. It's kind of incon... I know we've talked about the Harden trade a lot. We have? Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about it with Rosillo on the on the Pyramid Pie. We just did about Harden. Yeah. 
It's inconceivable to me after watching these three games that they would break this up. Inconceivable. You just can't believe it. It's unlike anything because they have Harden coming off the bench and we've already seen this kind of role with Manu and he's like Manu 2.0 basically. He's like, we sent Manu back to the lab. We added some more parts. We, we, we changed his computer algorithm in his head and we made him more dangerous. And now he's going to be on this team as their sixth man. There feels like at some time in our lifetime, Sam Presti will not be involved with professional basketball. And somebody, I hope it's you, will get him in a room with a couple great bottles of, of uh, California Cabernet and just have him let his hair down a little bit. There's there's an explanation for what happened with James Harden. Yeah, in I think, terms they, of the, I think he, the, the explanation was they were cheap and he didn't it. play well in the finals. But what, but but the, it the, was recency bias. It's the money part of it because the context in which this is all occurring is the big three era. Every team knew that to compete you had to have three. Miami had. Uh, it's three, Bosch, Wade, LeBron. Uh, San Antonio had its three, Manu, Tim A, and, 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 uh, and Tony Parker. Parker. And here's OKC with the youngest three, the brightest future, the best pathway forward to become the, the next but West they But they could have had the four for 2013, which was a frustrating thing because they didn't really have to do anything with Harden. We covered this in the uh, Harden pod. I know. They could have waited a year. I think the thing that I had forgotten until I watched these games was he was basically their backup point guard. Harden was. Yeah. Yes. And in a weird way, their crunch time point guard over Westbrook. Very efficient in that role. Yeah, because there's a lot of times where he just has the ball, Westbrook's in the corner, and Durant either runs a high screen with him or or becomes a decoy to try to clear the floor for his side. And Harden's decision making is really top level, and he's like, I'm sitting I think he's here, 22 at that point. I'm processing as you're talking, and w- and the, the the point I want to make, it's so astute. What a what a sophisticated basketball IQ. What a yeah. great decision maker he showed us he he could be. And here we are now, fast forward seven years. That that is what makes him an MVP candidate each of the past three or four years, right? It's not shocking that it played out the way it did. When you watch these three, I think we knew he had a chance to at least be Manu 2.0. I never thought he was going to be an all-time player. Sure. But re-watching these three games, it's like, oh, you could see all the seeds. Yes. He he has all the things in place. He'd go to the basket, the step-back three, the feel for the game, how to use open teammates. The thing is, the spacing wasn't that good in this game. You're, you're right Ibaka's about that. Because Ibaka's not in the three... It's not spread the way it would be eventually. Abaka Perkins is just cluttering everything, playing 30 minutes a game. The thing that, that surprised me in view of the narrative that developed afterwards with Harden and made him expendable from OKC's perspective, he played with a confidence. He he, yeah. he was up to the moment. He was not not up to the moment. He wasn't fear, fearful. He wasn't uh, you know playing hot potato. He wasn't out there Chris Webbering the ball. He was up. He he took the shots that were the, the right shots in the right moment. They were huge cojones shots. They were game-winning shots. I think the Miami them. series hurt him because he didn't play well. And he got kind of overpowered. He had, There were some situations where him and LeBron were going head-to-head. And the recency bias of that, I think, made them think, you know, part of that trade was, oh, if we get Kevin Martin, that will replace his 
his stats basically. Well, and, and, and I think what you what you 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 miss with Kevin Martin, what you saw in these three games was Harden's playmaking. Yes, yes, and and, and incomparable. Well, he wasn't an incomparable playmaker at that moment. No, that's for where, for a twenty three year old bench now. guy, he was yes. incomparable. That's right. Nobody had anything like that. It's insane. He would have been the second best player on, you know, probably sixteen teams in the league at that point. What's funny now, having seen him be so successful, so confident, so uh, basketball thoughtful in these these games, is all the playoff fizzle outs that have come since then. Seriously, right? I mean, this is probably the the most reliable he's been in a playoff series. This NBA season, Mountain Dew is all about the threes. The shot that's changing the game. Well, it's actually changed the game. It's it's hit a point where it's actually is the game at this point. I remember Larry Bird, Game 6, 1981 NBA Finals, hit what I think was the first great three. He basically clinched the championship in the left corner against the Rockets in Houston. He buried one, and that was it. It was the first dagger three. There might have been another one I'm forgetting, but this was that one actually won the title. Uh, but the threes have been around now for four full decades, and they've been awesome this whole time. We're brought to you by Mountain Dew, the official beverage of the NBA and a place that loves threes, by the way. Do the do. Let's, uh, let's go to the categories. Most rewatchable sequence. The nominees are Durant scoring the 16th straight in game four. The last few minutes of game five, a.k.a. the Harding game. The third quarter OKC comeback in game six mm. where they put up 30 points in about seven minutes right. and the athleticism is really, really breathtaking. And then the last four minutes of game six with Fisher, you know, who was an abomination this whole season and was pretty washed up. At one point, I think I wrote that he was the square root of washed up. <laughs> it's in this article. <laughs> yeah, I think. it's in that game two yeah. article. But ends up making two of the biggest shots of the whole series, and that's why you have them, because you just never know. But uh, what would you say was the most rewatched? What, what part did you enjoy the most rewatching these three? What, what I wrote down when I was uh, doing this was the last minute of Game 6, because that, that really was the changing of the guard moment. Okay, uh, San Antonio had those three chances. Yeah. If any of those go in, it feels like I, I honestly believed that even though I knew the outcome, San Antonio was going to win that game right. even when I'm watching it. I know that they lose, yeah. and I can't believe that they lose, and then I couldn't believe what they missed, and then it ends up in kind of a chaotic moment where Perkins gets a dunk, gets a, you know, slips behind the defense, gets a dunk, and all of a sudden, like that, everything's different. There's Kevin a great Durant shot of— and hugs his family. Durant— Makes the pass. They're trying to foul. Durant finds Perkins. Perkins dunks it. And they have this great shot from under the basket on the other side. Durant's back. Him throwing the pass, turning around, putting his arms up. Timeout. And then he goes right to hug his family. Unbelievable. That's the sequence to me. So I'll even... I, I'm with you. I think, I think you're right. I think that is the sequence. But I'll go even to the handshakes and the hugs. Okay. Because the Spurs had so much respect. And it really was a changing of the guard. And here's the irony. It actually wasn't. The Spurs end up making the finals right. the next two years. It was a change in the guard, but not the change of the guard we thought. It was a change of the guard where the Spurs go to the finals and then win the title in 2014. And we never see this OKC team in another finals. They play five finals games total that year. That's it. And, and, and uh, 
what was amazing to me in reading the clips and seeing the hugs and handshakes afterwards, the Spurs were so magnanimous. I know. They were not angry. Like, Captain Jack was like, I, I just got to give it to these guys. <laughs> right. They're, they're good. Like, we played hard. They They beat us. Yeah, this was a rare playoff loss where the team that lost, I felt like, really did everything they could do. And, I don't feel like anybody sucked for the Spurs, you and know? And OKC, like, earned their respect earned over the it. course of the series. And all of a sudden, the San Antonio's like, we got to respect these dudes. They're good. You can find... These games are really hard to find. I'm angry at the NBA. I don't understand why these games are so hard to find on YouTube. But you can find the second half of this game on Daily Motion. I watched it. Yeah. It's some it's some Turkish feed. They probably have all my information. <laughs> Thanks, Turkey. Uh, but... uh but you can watch this game on there and and the last minute really is worth watching. What's age the best? Let's start here. Kevin Durant played all 48 minutes in game six. He put up a 48 piece. Love what do it. we call that? <laughs> well, let's he put see. up a 48 a complete game. He threw, he a, threw a complete game. He threw a complete game. He played 48 minutes. Right. And had an awesome game. He was 34 points, 14 rebounds. His last three games of this series. 32, 8, and 6. 57, 44, 87% splits. Ooh. That's about the best three-game sequence of his career. He's just incredible in this. He's so good. It was like right during that time, too, when we just loved KD. Yes. And everybody was using him as the contrast to LeBron, the guy who sold out Cleveland and goes and the decision and he's all about him and KD and he, signs the quiet extension. Yeah, here's KD. He's just a loyal guy. And then it's just funny how things turn. Manu, another what's age the best Manu going against Manu 2.0. Oh, wow. The two lefties. Yeah. The two playmakers off the bench, very similar games, both floppers <laughs> <laughs> Step back threes. There's one moment, I think, in game five where Manu's flopping into Harden as Harden's trying to flop for the call, and it's like the crossing the beams and Ghostbusters. Flop. Yeah, it's double flop. But it is funny. Like, we thought Harden ceiling 2012, and I wrote this, was Manu 2.0. Pretty and good. it's like, eh, maybe he'll get a little better than that, but that's where he's going to be, not realizing he's a future MVP. Right. I have another what stage the best. This feels like a shot at Westbrook, and I don't mean it that way, but um, I just liked OKC's offense when it was running through Harden. What, what, why is that a knock? We didn't really have the advanced metrics where we needed them yet, and mm -hmm. I think the advanced metrics would have just shown, yeah, you should definitely do this. And it's funny because I did a podcast with Chris Bosh, I think probably a year and a half ago, and we talked a lot about the 2012 Finals. And he said, when he heard about the Harden trade, he was delighted because they just thought that team, they were going to have to go through them every year. And that the fact that they got rid of one of the guys that was really a problem for them, they were like, great, <laughs> thanks for doing that. Yeah. But watching these things, I just liked them more with Westbrook playing off the ball, almost on the other baseline, ready to crash for offensive rebounds, Harden and Durant, Ibaka on the other side. Perkins was out there just clogging stuff up, whatever. But uh, I just like that offense more. Well, it, it's funny. I, I jumped ahead to Nerd Corner because I wanted to see 
the point that you're making about the efficiency of that offense with Harden at the helm and his offensive rating. Was, Do it now. Was well, I mean, he, he's he, his offensive rating in Game Five was a was a, a 152. He was the best. Uh, <laughs> 152 is out, out he, of control. He was the best uh, Oklahoma City player by. Uh, over thirty uh, points over surge. Oh no, right. Collison was a two hundred. But well, that, that doesn't be, count. We're not kind of yeah. Save nerve corner. Yeah. Another would say the best. Westbrook playing defense. Why? Why do you say seem so surprised by that? Because he doesn't play defense anymore. Well, now he hasn't played defense for three years. Right, he's in a different stage of his career. He's he's twenty three years old in this series. I mean, he should he's, be playing defense. He's not like all league defense, but real athleticism, That's and he's it. really trying. He's jumping passing lanes. He's flying in for rebounds, and he's he, just so athletic. He has an athletic advantage, and he's using it. Yeah, it was Absolutely. fun. It was fun to watch him play defense because mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, you once upon a time you could do this. Harden did what he could. He's <laughs> probably a C plus at this point. Another would say the best. I just hadn't watched a San Antonio game in a while. I forgot how just unbelievable Parker was. Yeah. Those slithering drives in traffic, beating the guy by a half step, sliding in front of him, going through two big guys, and then like how he would just get to the backboard before you realized it for the layup. You'd be like, oh, he's not laying this in. Oh, he laid it in. It is the most unlikely of relationships. To me, he ended up being, and this reminded the physical manifestation of what Popovich always had in his head about how that offense could work. Yeah. And the thing about it that that leapt out at me and that you, you don't remember until you're like watching it a whole bunch is the anticipation for the pocket passes that become available because they all know where those lanes are going to open up. Yeah. And the, the symbiosis between him and Duncan, like there's a really uh, important Duncan dunk yeah. this, that's part of that comeback. That's a pocket pass where a, a Parker anticipates the double team coming up, TD feels it coming, slips the screen, the pass is waiting for him. It's just yeah. incredible to see that their brains are on that 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 wavelength. And there's really only a couple of people in the early 2010s playing basketball like this. We're You're, still like in the vestige of the hero ball era. And you basically have the Spurs, a little bit of the Celtics when Rondo is really feeling it doing the slash and kick, driving the lane things, but it's, it was not not that unselfish of a time. The uh, the Harden-Fisher backup backcourt, <laughs> just on paper, was pretty nice it's for funny. a what stage the best. Yeah. It's like Fisher has, how many rings did he get? Five? Even a million right? big games. You're yeah. just bringing these two guys off the bench. I I just wrote down, as for what stage the best, skinny rookie Kawhi. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> he barely has enough facial hair yeah, yet. I mean, he's just a kid. Um, another would say it's the best. Daquan Cook. Remember we did that NBA support group video with Rosillo? Yes. And it was like he didn't want to give up on Jeff Green right. even after you've been on 18. Yep. So then somebody else did Rodney Hood. Daquan Cook was one of those guys for me. <laughs> even in game four, he has a little moment. He, he scores eight points in like four minutes. And sure. I'm like, oh, man, if they'd only unleashed Daquan Cook... <laughs> <laughs> they put him in totally different. I still believe. Yeah. Uh, another what's age the best? Boris Dio jokes? This was the year. This is the same season six months earlier when he was playing on Charlotte and was super overweight. Yes. And Grantland's Rafe Bartholomew made the joke that Boris and his boobs are the next big three. <laughs> 
One of the great Grantland jokes of all time. Another White Sage the best, Captain Jack. Yes. This was like his last stand, game six. He made his first six threes, and he made two huge ones in the third quarter, right as OKC is about to pull away. Yeah. And Captain Jack's like, hold on. Right. And made two big threes. And then uh, we mentioned the Euro. Oh, I did. we didn't mention this. In game six, Harden does a Euro step for a layup, and they don't. the announcers don't even acknowledge they don't call it a Euro step. I don't think we had a Euro step. I didn't think they called it that yet. They definitely did not that, call it that. No. So he does it and they're like, uh, funky move by Harden or whatever <laughs> they said. They didn't know what was going on. What uh, what age is the best for you? Mine is Durant going all 48. Wow. It might be Parker for me because I haven't had Parker in my mind's eye for so long now. Yeah. You know, uh, I have to put him in the pyramid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I, we gotta, we gotta do a Parker podcast at some point. I think so. What stage the worst? <laughs> it, all, everything about Kendrick Perkins, although oh. he was okay in game six, but man. The block that he had on Duncan inside that last, in that, in that crucial sequence that we've called the most rewatchable sequence, that all by itself, that single play validates and vindicates his role, his involvement, his they had Serge the Ibaka and Kevin Durant. He shouldn't have been playing. <laughs> Here's what I wrote. Here's some Kendrick Perkins jokes I made during the Game 2 Diary. At this point, there are five people left in America who haven't realized that this is the wrong series for Kendrick Perkins. And I named the five. It's kind of dated. Uh, the Spurs are single-handedly making Danny Ainge feel like he won the Perkins trade, even though the player the Celtics got for him missed every game because of major heart surgery. <laughs> Yikes. He, uh, in the series, he averaged a six and six with 42% field goals uh, percentage, 28 minutes a game. He had a 92 offensive rating and a 107 defensive rating. So I, I don't know what that means with the plus minus. Uh, he was minus 17 in game five. And it's funny, in the first quarter of each game, San Antonio comes out, does whatever, and Kerr is just going, you know, it's be interesting to see when OKC goes smaller. <laughs> like he's just begging for it. <laughs> Might be time for them to whatever. Perkins is, what's crazy is that they decide it's over amnestying him to get rid of Harden. I, look, when you watch this series, you're like, this was a layup? How did you guys fuck this decision up? What are you doing? Uh, another what's age the worst. Scotty Brooks started Kendrick Perkins and Nick Collison together in a game, in a playoff game. A playoff game they intended to win. The uh, the space, I had age the worst, but this is every game before 2013 where you just, you know, you have Durant out there. All you want to do is clear the floor for him. He goes by, couldn't go by anybody. And they have freaking Perkins at the foul line and Ibaka. 15 feet away on the baseline so his guy can jump off. And it's just, San Antonio has all these options just to jump off of whoever. There's a moment in game five when Kerr criticizes Parker for taking an open three instead of dribbling in and taking an easier two, mm. which I thought was kind of funny. And then uh, no beard Greg Popovich. Oh. Missed the beard. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I don't remember. Did he had the beard and then he took it off and then he put it back on? Like what I don't was know. The, he was cleanly the evolution shaven. of the beard? Any other what's age the worst for you? Um, this is gonna uh, you know step on 
our upcoming uh, commentary on the broadcasters. But the Reggie Miller cl- cliche machine was in overdrive. Like it's it's it has become its own self parody over time. I don't recall whether in 2012 it was already a self parody. Oh, it was because okay. I was making jokes about it. That okay, whole place. so that 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 was just being reminded of of that. Joe House, I'm not so sure that that wasn't the most important point ever made on the Book of Basketball 2.0 podcast. <laughs> Hyperbole? Half-assed internet research. This was the lar- Game six was the largest halftime playoff lead ever blown by the Spurs. Wow. Yeah. How about that one? They're 15. That's a nugget. I wrote this about Westbrook in game two. Quote, I like Westbrook. He's young. He's a good teammate. He's fun to watch. He gives a crap. He's absolutely breathtaking in person. All that's true. He also gets dissected on the internet like no NBA star other than LeBron, something that undeniably affected him last summer and led Presty to tell me a few weeks ago that he's never seen an athlete face more scrutiny at a younger age than Westbrook faced during last year's playoffs. That's just the nature of the beast now. Basketball is becoming 24-7, 365 sport. Once we're down to one playoff a night, game a night, every flaw and every bad decision gets exacerbated a lot of times unfairly. Having said that, (laughs) when Westbrook, a 32% three-point shooter, launches an off-balance pull-up three with 20 seconds left in the shot clock in the middle of a possible momentum swing of a must-win playoff game as his buddy Durant is residing somewhere between hot and scorching hot, At what point does the light bulb start flickering here? Westbrook needs to find that sweet spot between aggressive and reckless. And actually, I don't doubt that he will. Just know that his last three was reckless. It's hard to win the title when you're reckless. He never found the sweet spot. You know why? Isn't that interesting? Yes. I I think... I I was so optimistic in 2012. I was like, oh, he'll get it. He never got it. Well, here's the thing. He... he, I I would contend, when we look back, we will say... I will say. (laughs) This is a Joe House take. He's a victim of circumstance. Who is the best basketball mind that's been in Russell Westbrook's life? Not Scotty Brooks? <laughs> not not Scotty Brooks. I mean, I, honestly, it's Kevin Durant. I, th- I think Kevin Durant is a borderline genius offensively. Yes, exactly. But like the And Kevin Durant's like, hey, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to play for Gold State. In his entire <laughs> career, he had, who was the coach at UCLA? Was it Steve Lavin? It was somebody terrible. Somebody it's terrible. It's somebody who's on ESPN too now. R- right. And then Scotty Brooks, and then your your boy Billy Donovan, Billy D, all fine. Those are guys are like shepherds. They're stewards. They're not anybody that's creating for him the opportunity to maximize his talent. And what is unfair to me is we have a nice counterpoint for this. We have a nice foil. Steph Curry was a player with an unrealized potential that was being diminished and was being uh, locked up, the, 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 the pants, the belt, you know, he wasn't able to go lose his true virginity. He couldn't get out there and, and F because he was, he was all locked up by, you know, the nuns. He was going to the wrong school. The nuns had him on, under lock and key. All of a sudden, Steve Kerr comes in. You don't like this analogy? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm so you woke up Kyle. I think that was a bonus. <laughs> well, I mean, Steve Kerr comes in. Uh, my man Curry transfers over to public school. 
all of a sudden he's the coolest guy in school and and he can't fend the girls off. All he can do is become the best version of him. I don't think we've ever seen the best version of Russell Westbrook. For yeah. sure, his MVP season when he averaged a triple-double was not the best version of Russell Westbrook. And I think it's because he never it's not happening. played with... This was probably the best version of him, this 2012 to 14 range. That was just his sheer athleticism. Yeah. Just his, his you know... He never. He's a guy that that you know. This is not a knock. I don't. I don't. I've had I, th I just think he was a better two way player back then. You're right about that. But like, he doesn't have a basketball IQ that rivals LeBron or or um, no. KD. And he he's a guy that could have used some supervision, some tutelage, and intervention at times. And he never got it. And I feel like we we've been done a disservice as basketball fans. I talked to Van Gundy about this during the 2012 finals, and I think I wrote about it in the piece I wrote about Westbrook. That Van Gundy is like, sometimes you can't change a player. You just got to ride what makes them great and take the other stuff with it. And that's it. That's just, he is who he is. It's just going to be impossible to change. The thing that made him great was how fearless he was, but that was also his Achilles heel. In a series like this, it didn't really come back to haunt them. Um, I think Miami deserved to beat them. Sure. I don't, I, th I think they could have beat Miami, but yeah. I think it would have taken, you know, Harden going off the reservation and just being unbelievable for two of those seven games right. or whatever. Right. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, I wanted to tell you about all the other awesome basketball podcasts we have on the Ringer Podcast Network. Let's start with Ryan Rosillo. He has the Ryan Rosillo podcast and he talks a lot of hoops. That dude's home watching five games at once. I would say he has a problem, but I'm doing the same thing. You can listen to him. You can listen to the Ringer NBA show, which has a rotating crew of Ringer personalities talking about the day's events, including the mismatch twice a week with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon. You can listen to Winging It with Vince Carter and Andy Finberg. They're interviewing all kinds of NBA players. And Vince Carter, we basically have him for one year before he becomes probably the biggest uh, basketball media star other than Charles Barkley. So you can hear the embryonic stages right now on that podcast. And then the J.J. Reddick podcast, whenever that comes back. Come on, J.J., do a pod already. But if you love basketball and you love basketball podcasts, check all of them out on the Ringer Podcast Network. You can get it on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your podcast. All right, back to this one. Greatest what-if sliding doors moment. Um Duh. <laughs> the whole league. The whole league is different. We already covered that in the Harden Pyramid pod. The only other thing I would say is if if Dallas just brings back their team from 11 and just re-signs Chandler. Interesting. I think it's a harder road, but I still think it OKC is, gets through. It is funny looking back, remembering Dallas essentially conceded. They were the defending champions. And they essentially con conceded. They didn't defend anything. They got swept out of the playoffs in the first round. It's very it was, weird. It was pretty indefensible. It's just weird. And it was also, there were some teams that, that when the lockout ended, that misunderstood, and this was the case over the next year, that misunderstood what was going to happen to the salary cap with the media red steel. That's a great point. And so they looked at that Tyson Chandler and they was like, oh my God, four years, how are we going to pay for it? And it's like, you'll be fine. The cap's going to just keep going up every year. I don't think they would have won the title, but I think it's a harder first series. They just didn't even try try to defend it. That's what's indefensible. So Nerd Corner, Game 5 OKC, you mentioned, Harden had a 152 offensive rating. 
Kendrick Perkins, 69 offensive rating. <laughs> Kyle likes that. In uh, game six, Durant was 142 offensive rating. Kendrick Perkins, 60 offensive rating. So congrats to him. The Deion Waiters Award. In game five, Daquan, Pooks, Daquan Cook, my guy, scores eight points in three minutes. My favorite thing is you getting his name wrong. Daquan at, Cook. Ten times in this podcast. Well, it's terrific. My coffee never, never totally stopped. kicked in today. Never stopped. Played less than four minutes at eight points and was never seen again in the series. <laughs> what else did he have to do in those four uh, minutes? All he did was make shots. I don't know what happened. The uh, the best heat check, though, is, is Captain Jack. This is a real vintage Deion Waiters game where you're on the road. The other team's hitting me with haymakers, That's right. and he makes his first six threes and gets a tee. He gets a tee, makes one three, turns around, and eyeballs the uh, OKC bench, and they tee him up. Oh, yeah. Real vintage Captain Jack. The Grady Little Award for biggest coaching fuck-up. I mean, they won the series, but I just can't believe how many minutes Perkins played. It's, it's the Kendrick minutes. <laughs> I just, there's no other. He played 28 minutes a game in the series. There's no other entrant. Like, it, it's funny uh, along the way. Oh, my God. The proper criticism of Scotty Brooks not staggering Westbrook and, and uh, KD. And a, you know, a little and, bit more, yeah. And that recurring theme of, of that, that cult, that was a little bit present here. But, but the Kendrick Perkins uh, minutes are just indefensible. On the Spurs side, I'm not really sure what else they could have done. No, I mean, this, he, he pulled out. I, I think we he know a, when he put Manu into the starting lineup, that was a concession. Like, we're taking this as seriously as we can. We're, once a really good coach changes what his team does, yes, you know they're concerned. That's right. That was like when Belichick in that Colts game, when he went for it on fourth and two from his own 30, that was him basically telling the fan base, our defense sucks this year. And his team... Could have won both game five and game six. Yeah. The games were in doubt with a minute, with 90 seconds left. Both of those games. His team could have won both of those. I mean, next year he has the all-time great little award. When we do game six, 2013 for the rewatchables. Oh, I have no a lot mercy. of thoughts on benching Tim Duncan. But for this one, the Perkins minutes. Next award is best chemist. I studied the OKC bench closely for... Um, the high fives, the the uh, exuberation, all that stuff. Exuberance and exuberation. I I like to call it exuberation for my bench guys. Okay, Daquan Cook. <laughs> I was really impressed by Ibaka, who was on the court for some of this stuff. But there's a couple moments when he's on the bench for big plays, and he was doing the crouch, fist pump, jump up move, which I really liked. I thought that I, was good. And, and Nick Collison, I forgot how I want to genuinely ask this question without touching the third rail. I didn't look it up. This is half-ass internet research, probably, okay. on my part. I don't remember how old he was uh, in this series, um, Ibaka. He was he was younger than 24. Okay, because he... he his he had crazy springs. Yeah, he like, did. That's like that 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 exuberation that you're talking about came through, both on the floor and in in his encouragement of his team. He was a critical, crucial. It's funny earlier in this podcast we talked about Kawhi being like the fifth player there. You have to like watch these games and see him doing his stuff and watching him make all those shots in game two, was it? No, Maybe game three, four. He's 11 for 11. Right? Yeah, that's it. That's right. Um, 
how good he was. You you seem exuberated about this. I, I am invigorated and exuberated. <laughs> the thing is, you watch these three games and you and you just say, just keep KD Westbrook. Harden and Ibaka together. I don't even care who else is on the team. Get, How can you lose? Get eight minimum salary guys How and you're you fine. How can you lose? Just keep those four. How can you lose? They're perfect together. Ugh. Half-baked big picture take. San Antonio's 2012-14 to three-year run was more impressive than any three-year LeBron run ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's disgraceful. But, but, I mean, it's funny. Can I make the case? Go ahead. They went 170 and 40 in those three years. You're not impressed? It's terrific. Three seasons, three regular seasons, 170 and 40. Miami during those same three seasons, 166 and 44. It's the single best franchise in the modern era. They went 41 and 17 in the playoffs. Miami went 45 and 21. Much easier road in the East. Much easier. Okay. I agree with that. Their record for those three years, 211 and 57. Miami was 211 and 65. They won the 2014 title. They lost the 2013 title in, honestly, the biggest fluke last 27 seconds in the history of the league. Eh. I wouldn't call it fluke. Plays it's were made. Semi-fluke. Plays were made. The first LeBron three that misses and then four Spurs are there and it's somehow none of them get it and it bounces around leading to the second terrible three that goes in was Play, fluky. Plays were made. 211 and 57 in a three-year span. It's good. And they lose in 2012 because they go against a generationally historic team that somehow over the course of four games taps into this future dynasty thing and it's just a haymaker and they can't fight it off. Incredible. My point is this was a really great three-year run for the Spurs. And and I do think there's parallels to them and the Pats in a lot of different ways, but where they have these, they have these different runs, right? Like they have the 99 to 03 is like the Duncan Robinson run. Yep. Um, And then 04, 05, 06, 07, they win two titles 04, they lose to the Lakers because of the Derek Fisher 0.4 second shot. Right. 06, they have Dallas beaten. Manu fouls Derek, makes the play, goes into OT, they lose that. So they're right there for four straight years. And then here, they're right there again for three straight years. They had three different stretches where they're right there. Why can't we just revel in the institutional excellence of San Antonio without disparaging LBJ? You don't have to disparage. It's not a disparagement. You 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 said it with that three year stretch was better than any three years that LBJ's ever had in his career. And you could make you could make fair. You could make the case. That's why House. What's the category? Half baked big picture take. <laughs> Did I say I totally hundred percent believe this? All it's right. half baked. Good, good. Tim McCarver Memorial Broadcast Team Complaint Corner. Wow. We've already touched on Reggie Miller. I guess my big point is, why is Reggie Miller there? It's insane. They had Steve Kerr. He's the best color guy of all time. Marv and Kerr. What yeah. else is there? Who Whose idea was it to be like, you know what? We need to also add Reggie Miller to this. You don't need two players, it feels like to me. If I served you the greatest cheeseburger of all time. Oh, 
And you're like, this is an unbelievable cheeseburger. Thank you. Yes. And I was like, hold on. I'm going to put some turkey on it. Well, You'd still eat it. It would still be like, all right, yeah. this is interesting. But yeah. you'd be like, man, you know what would have been really nice? The cheeseburger. I might take the turkey and put it on. I eat the turkey. I'm not going to not eat the turkey. I, I can't I believe you. they I can't believe they put Reggie in these games. <laughs> all due respect to Reggie, but come on. You're like, Steve Kerr. Like, Guess what? I'd Marv and Steve Kerr. Marv's still throwing his fastball in this game, too. You know, remember, though, Reggie, by at that point, had this was his beat, and Kerr was an, an intervener, an interloper. I don't know. It like wasn't it. Kerr's corner. It was Reggie's corner. Apex Mountain. I'll make the case for Tony Parker. Okay. It's either this year or next year for him, but I, I do feel like peak of his powers, 20 points a game, any big playoff game, he's getting 25 to 29. Uh, pretty much unguardable. Him and Duncan had really figured out the, uh, the two-man game. And uh, I would say yes for him. I think Boris Diaw jokes, definitely. Apex Mountain. The Thunder not having a ceiling and not knowing where it was going to going and thinking they were going to own the decade, I think this series is definitely the apex mountain of that. Um, complaining about Kendrick Perkins? <laughs> never, never. I feel like it was at its, its peak. At its absolute peak. Anything else? What else would you have? No, I, I Parker to me was, was what I had uh, scribbled down. It was just Parker because um, his brain and his body were both so capable at that moment. I was going to put OKC Durant, but he his MVP season was just better. As I, much as I wanted to for the three-game stretch, his MVP season's unbelievable. The other thing... It's so good. That that to me was at the all-time was that that OKC crowd. Yeah. I, I think the OKC crowd deserves that Apex Mountain. Moment. You know, it was an Apex Mountain going to OKC for those finals games as the whole city was under construction. You had to walk 12 minutes to find coffee. I don't know what to tell you. Funniest in-game network promo. I'll just do this as a quote from Marv Albert. The boys are back. Don't miss the return of Franklin and Bash. <laughs> Actual quote from Marv. We missed it. The boys are back. Don't miss. Don't miss the return How of Franklin and Bash. <laughs> I didn't even know they returned. Hottest retroactive take, one you wish you had in the moment. Trade Westbrook instead of Harden. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. Trade Westbrook instead of If I have to trade Harden. one of those guys, I'm, I'm trading Westbrook. Mine. This is I get more for Westbrook. Harden can run a lot of the offense, so can Durant. I could probably get two really good pieces for him. You're not with me? I'm with you. I, I, I feel like I'm gonna blaspheme right now. Tim Duncan, not clutch. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's my, this is like year 15 for him. Hottest retroactive take. Hottest. <laughs> he was good. He had a good game. He was good. He come had on. good games. Tim That's Duncan. Terrible. Top 10 player in the history of the game. He single-handedly could <laughs> have was. quashed We're moving on. the upstart. We're moving on. Youthfuls. You know, this whole thing. He At this point, he's played like a thousand games. It's a ridiculous take. This is why I, I offered it in this category. Best unintentional comedy moment. Um, game five starts in San Antonio. OKC gets three fouls in the first minute, and then they cut to the ref, and it's Scott Foster. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, of course. Oh. Wow. Oh. Wow. Oh, yeah. Where was Donaghy? And did, did, had Donaghy <laughs> bet on that game? 
actually, <laughs> they called each other. I would love to see the records of what, how much he bet on that game. OKC ended up with 23 free throws and San Antonio 26. So it was just, it actually it was even a well-officiated game. Out. I just thought it was so funny. The three fouls, OKC's going nuts, and there's Scott Foster. It's like, oh, of course. Uh, here's the funniest unintentional comedy moment, which I had forgotten. In 2012, there was an adult film star named Scotty Brooks <gasps> who had suckered in a bunch of accidental Google searches from people who misspelled Scotty Brooks OKC, who ended with a Y, with Scotty Brooks IE, who was the porn star. And they would land on the Scotty Brooks Twitter page, Scotty with an IE, which is NFSW, <laughs> and had pictures of Scotty, the porn star, in various stages of arousal. Oh, no. Um, I, I remember this. It yeah. really happened. So my it joke, was a thing. my joke at the time was: Shouldn't Scotty Brooks, the porn star, play up the whole Scotty Brooks coaching thing and change his Twitter avatar to a clipboard holding basketball coach who's wearing a suit jacket, dress shirt, tie, and no pants? And no pants. That's right. The boner coach. Why not just own it, Scotty Brooks with an IE? He needed. He needed some. He needed a producer in his corner. This was so funny back in the it day. Was unbelievable! How, how many texts and jokes do we make about and this? And you know what's in incredible is it was a very easy mistake to make. Like you would like the brain wants to go Scotty with an IE. It's not that outrageous. True over Scotty with a Y. You don't just do think Scotty with a Y. Like well, even now, if you told me to Google it, I might do it, even though I know what the answer is. I have some sad news. Uh oh. I went to the Scotty with an IE oh, Twitter no. page. Oh dear. No longer exists. R.I.P. Not sure what happened to Scotty with an eye. He might be out of the industry. Well, that's the, he, he, people make career choices. Would you rather have had Scotty with an IE coaching the Wizards these last couple of years or Scotty Brooks, the OKC I coach? I can assure you there would be no difference. <laughs> that, that I can assure you of. Uh, probably unanswerable questions. Other than why didn't Scotty with an IE Brooks do, do a boner coach coaching boner move? Yeah. Um, I don't really have any probably unanswerable questions because I think we tackled all of them already. I mean, it, it's it's a true like landmark series. If you look back, we're going to have the, the the chance of this era, 2010 to 2020. We'll have that that in, in our rearview mirror at the end of this this coming season. And you look back, and that's one that gets all a lot of highlights, a lot of highlights. We've had more dramatic series and more meaningful series. I think Miami Dallas in 2011. Sure. I think 2013 Spurs Heat. Yeah. Um, 2016 Cavs uh, Warriors. I think, excuse me, 2012 Celtics Heat. LeBron basically facing, you know, this crossroads of his superstar career and answering the challenge. I think that was great. Um, I think that Rockets Warriors series in 18 was great. I think this Warriors Raptor series we just had was awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sadly was tragic, but just was really memorable. I think this was the best basketball of all of those series. Wow. Of the of this That's decade. Interesting. I think this was the only other one I would compare it to was 2017 Cavs Warriors offensively. Yes. Where oh. you had Kyrie and LeBron and Love really playing well mm -hmm. in the finals versus the best offensive team we've ever had. 
So I, I have to go back and I'm saying just from I know, what I, I love what about saying. basketball, like saying. energy, athleticism. You think of the guy. We how many Hall of Famers are in this series? Uh, right, sure. Duncan Parker, Ginobili, Harden, Westbrook, Durant, Kawhi. Yes, there's seven Hall of Famers yeah, in this that, series. It's pretty great. It's pretty so great. from a talent standpoint, then you have Popovich. Um, you have this old school, new school thing, and then you have you know, the hope of where this might go lingering over everything and then just spectacular basketball. I feel like you've issued a challenge. Now I want to go back over this past decade and see what I think is the best basketball. I, best this is a basketball I know series. You're, I know, I know the argument you're making and, and I didn't think about it that way. I feel like I watched some incredible basketball with some of the golden state, um, Western conference series, not the golden state Cleveland series were interesting from a strategic standpoint, but I never, never felt like this is unbelievable basketball except for maybe the fourth quarter of Cleveland winning game seven when they came back from down 3-1. Um, but if you're going Cleveland-Golden State, the best basketball game those two teams played against each other was either game four 2016 when the Draymond nut punch game. Yes. But that actual game is fantastic. Um, or game three in 2017. Golden State goes up 2 nothing. They go back to Cleveland, and Durant is just amazing. But Cleveland's hitting them with everything. Yeah. Can't beat them. So maybe the ceiling of those games offensively was higher. But when you're just talking about old-school, two-way, awesome basketball and two different styles, two, two prize that, fighters. What's so interesting is the contrasting styles. It was like a two-prize—it was just Frazier Ali. It was great. Yeah. So, okay. I don't know. I like I'll, it. I'll open the challenge to the people out there. Who won the game? Or who won the games? I have KD. I mean, how can Has it not be, be KD. KD? Has to be. How can it not be KD? It is KD. Nobody and, else. And they gave him a gift six months later. <laughs> it was Kevin Martin, Jeremy Lamb, and a future draft pick for James Harden. We're, people are weird. I do, I, this did make me sad, though. It, it reminded me why I was so angry about the Harden trade, because I think it's so rare to stumble into a great team this organically that actually like all the pieces, they fit, they had some flaws, but ultimately I just really liked watching this team. We were cheated. I feel, I feel absolutely robbed. We were cheated. We were cheated in the same way that I feel like looking back, I, I, I think Westbrook, you know, the version, the best version of Westbrook, we're never going to see it. You know, we never got the very best version of, of Westbrook. We were cheated by Scotty with an eye Brooks's Twitter page disappearing. Oh, that one I can live with. I can I can live without Scotty IE. Joe House, thanks for being on the Rewatchables Book of Basketball 2.0. Always a pleasure. <laughs>